Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your for the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, buddy? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 11.02 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to the thrilling season finale of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thank you for listening in as... Brayton had in the update. We are coming to you live from Watkins Glen International, site of today's IndyCar Grand Prix here at WGI. The first time we've ever been live on site for a racing event. We've done a, a live remote from Batavia Downs this year, but or last year we did the live remote from Batavia Downs, but this is the first time we've ever been live uh, on site for a racing event. So really excited to be at the Glen. We're coming to you from inside the media center up on the second floor in the radio room. And we'll be with you for the next two hours in our special uh, season finale here on WGR's Fast Track. Uh, if you want to join us here this morning, phone lines are open at 803-0551-888-552-550. If you want to get a call in, now might be the best time to do it because I have a feeling we're going to be kind of busy in the second hour of the program. We're going to have some guests coming in and out. Um, not sure who exactly is going to be coming in and out, but uh, hopefully we have some good people to talk to you a little bit later on, including hopefully uh, we're trying to tagged out, uh, pinned down an IndyCar driver that's going to come and join us here in studio and talk to us for a few minutes. Uh, the IndyCars have just wrapped up their morning warm-up session here at the Glen uh, as part of the usual race weekend for the Verizon IndyCar Series. They do do a morning uh, warm-up before uh, taking the track for the race, and no surprise, on top of the speed chart, Scott Dixon was fastest in the morning warm-up with a uh, best lap time of 1 minute 23.71 seconds for uh, uh Topping the speed charts in the morning warm-up. Second was R.C. Enerson, who drives for Dale Coyne Racing. R.C. is making just his second career IndyCar start today at the Glen. Uh, Dale Coyne Racing, of course, uh, picked up a very memorable win here at the Glen back in uh, 2009 with uh, Justin Wilson, which was actually the uh, last time I was here for an IndyCar race. Uh, the late uh, Justin Wilson passed away about a year ago at Pocono. Joseph Newgarden uh, rounding out the top three. Connor Daly, who's uh, Enerson's teammate at Dale Coyne Racing, was fourth. And then Graham Rahal, who picked up the win last weekend at Texas for the IndyCar Series, uh, rounded out the top five. But uh, it's been the Scott Dixon Show so far this weekend here at Watkins Glen International. Again, phone lines are open, 803-0551-888-552-550. Also, uh, we're on Twitter, of course, at Fast Track 550 and we're at uh, we're on Facebook too, uh, Facebook.com/slash/wgrfasttrack. What a a great busy weekend of racing, whether uh, the local stuff or uh, all the national series. The Labor Day weekend is uh, the one of the best weekends of racing. Of course, uh, you talk about the, the the national international scene. You've got here today at Watkins Glen with the IndyCar series. You've got NASCAR at Darlington for the Southern 500. And uh, the, you know the throwback uh, theme has been awesome once again this year for the Spring Cup Series. That race coming up tonight. They had a lot of rain on Friday because of that tropical storm hurricane thing that was kind of been going up and down the coast this weekend. So qualifying got rained out. So Kevin Harvick on the pole for tonight's race. We'll we'll try and squeeze in some NASCAR talk as it is the. Uh, 
uh, next to last race of the regular season for the Spring Cup Series. Also, you've got NHRA. They've got the U.S. Nationals, of course, this weekend at Indy. The Big Go, as they like to call it, one of the, the uh, their biggest race of their season. Uh, Formula One was in action uh, this morning in Italy for the Grand Prix of Italy. And the local scene is also the very big weekend, Labor Day. Uh, last night you had, uh, especially the pavement tracks, you had... Uh, Oswego Speedway, where I was, uh, the NASCAR Modified Tour, Isma Super Modifieds, and they're in the thick of their big classic weekend. They've got the big uh, Bud, Budweiser International Classic this morning. Uh, last night, Holland Speedway and Wyoming County had big races. You've got track championships wrapping up a final weekend of dirt car points. So you had the local dirt tracks like Ransomville and Merrittville and Humberstone crowning their track champions for their dirt car division. So just a great, great weekend of racing. And if you've had a chance to check out any of it, whether it's been at a local track or just watching uh, Cup or IndyCar or drag racing on your couch, feel free to join us here this morning uh, at 803-0551. 888-550-2550. But again, here at the Glen, it's going to kind of be some of our focus today. But again, if you want to talk about something else, feel free to call in 803-0550. But as I said just a moment ago, it's been the, the Scott Dixon, Dixon show pretty much uh, all weekend here at Watkins Glen so far. Uh, Dixie, Dixie is a uh, three-time winner here at the Glen, uh, won it three years in a row. And uh, that knowledge he is putting to good use because uh, he has been bad fast in the Chip Ganassi target car and uh, shattered the track record in qualifying. Not No surprise, of course, with the repave here at Watkins Glen. We knew speeds were going to be up. We had been hearing about that uh, through all the test sessions that it had been going on for the Indy cars. And uh, that's definitely what happened as Dixon uh, obliterated the track record, which was set back here in 2009 by Ryan Briscoe. And Dixon bettered it by about six seconds, if you can believe that. The tr previous record was 1 minute 28 seconds. Dixon on the pole today with a lap time of 1 minute 22 seconds. So uh, Dixon very fast, but pretty much uh, almost the whole field was faster than the existing track record, except a couple of cars that had some problems during qualifying. But the ma large majority of the field faster than the track record. It will be Dixon on the front row. Will Power, who's uh, trying to remain in the championship hunt, uh, comes into today uh, second. This is the next last race in the in IndyCar series by, uh, season, by the way. So uh, Will Power trying to catch his teammate, uh, Simon Pagenaud, who we had on the show earlier this year. Um, so he will start second as Will Power, Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, the Frenchman will start third, even though he ran out of gas on his uh, at the end of qualifying. He will still f start third today. Elio Castroneves rolling off fourth. Tony Kanan rounds out the top five starters. And then you've got rookie Max Chilton, who uh, had a very impressive uh, qualifying effort. He made the fast six qualifying yesterday. So uh, three Chip Ganassi cars in the top six days. He rolls off six. Then he got Pagano in seventh, the... Uh, points leader as we said jpm juan pablo montoya who's had some memorable runs here in both in uh indycar and in, in the cup series of course uh he starts eighth today jack hawksworth ninth and mikhail aloshin the russian driver uh rounding out the top 10 just outside the top 10 was as we mentioned rookie uh, rc enerson who was second quick in the morning warm-up session uh he qualified 11th so uh, another a good run for him too a couple of rookies inside the top 11 uh, some of their notable names uh Joseph Newgarden's 12th James Hinchcliffe 13th some uh, controversy for him and couple drivers during qualifying yesterday actually uh three or four drivers were given penalties for uh holding up uh the progress of their competitors during their group qualifying sessions and Hinchcliffe spun out on one lap and uh they IndyCar ruled that he had held up another driver because of it and uh, was penalized and got bumped out of the fast six because he could have started uh, 
he he was going to make the top six until the penalty was given to him by IndyCar. So he rolled off. Uh, he'll roll off 13th today. Uh, Indy 500 winner Alexander Rossi starts 15th today. Uh, Marco Andretti 18th, Ryan Hunter Ray 19th, and Graham Rahal back in 20th. So some uh, big names, including some of the uh, the uh, Andretti Autosport and Rahal Letterman drivers, uh, starting deep in the field today. Uh, here at Watkins Glen. Race gets going at about uh, about 2.30 today. Uh, green flag just after 2.30 this afternoon for the Verizon IndyCar Series. Again, 803-0551-888-552-550 as the IndyCar Series returning here to Watkins Glen for this gorgeous day, by the way. I didn't even mention that here off the top, but what a, a fantastic day here at the Glen, and I'm sure in, in the Buffalo area as well, too. Just a, a gorgeous Labor Day weekend, and uh, just had it gorgeous drive in this morning uh stayed overnight in auburn in between uh, oswego and the Glen. here i stayed over a night in auburn had a nice uh picturesque drive down route 414 this morning alongside seneca lake and and just a great view coming in uh to the racetrack this morning but uh they got a great day for it here at Watkins Glen as uh it Seems like the Glen has been in a, a weather bubble compared to, uh, you know, some of the, the NASCAR tracks. Of course, uh, this whole month of August has just been uh, rain central for a lot of the tracks, especially the NASCAR tracks, except for the Glen. Of course, uh, Glen had their cup weekend uh, about a month ago. It was gorgeous, but you've had tracks like Pocono, uh, Darlington this weekend. Uh, they'll have a great day today for the race, but Friday they had like four inches of rain because of that tropical storm and uh uh, Road America with the Xfinity Series had rain and just a lot of tracks. Uh, even Bristol, of course, uh, had the, the night race postponed till Sunday afternoon. So a lot of tracks uh, dealing with some weather. But uh, Watkins got Michael Print up. Uh, he should head to the, the casino after today because he's hit the jackpot weather-wise here for his two big weekends um, and, and just a great day for it. So it should be a gorgeous day uh, here at the Glen uh, for today's race. Uh, again, 803-0551-888-552-550. Uh, real quick, we'll squeeze in uh, the, the cup race tonight, the Southern 500 at Darlington. As I said, uh, field set by owner's points because qualifying was rained out on Friday. Uh, NASCAR could have moved it to Saturday, but they wanted drivers to concentrate more on race mode tra practice. So uh, they just washed out uh, qualifying and uh, set the field by points. So it'll be Harvick and Keselowski on the front row. Carl Edwards and Kurt Busch in row two. Carl Edwards, the defending race winner of the Southern 500. And then you got Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, Jimmy Johnson, and Matt Kenseth rounding out your top ten starters today. The next to last race uh, before the chase begins. And we had a, a bit of a shakeup in, in the chase. Uh, you know, I sat <laughs> last week and I said, oh, the, the chase field is set. There's not going to be any changes in the chase. And, of course, Kyle Larson went out last week at Michigan and proved me wrong because he went out and picked up his uh, first career win last week in the Sprint Cup Series. And uh, what a drive it was for Larson. And he just bumped his bumped himself into the chase and, and proved me wrong. I, I, did, I said I didn't think anybody else was going to win these last three races. And, you know, we had Jordan Bianchi last week on, and he said uh, he, he thought Larson was going to get it done, and he, he was correct because it was, uh, you know, Larson getting the win, and uh, he's in the chase. So that make, thinks, makes things a lot more interesting here for today at Darlington uh, and to, uh, next uh, this coming Saturday at Richmond, of course, for the regular season finale. Makes things a little more interesting as um, – it bumps, you know, Ryan Newman, he's now uh, the first car outside looking in, and he's only 15 back at Jamie McMurray. So uh, things will be a, a little more interesting to watch for that final spot in on points uh, with uh, other guys 
little ways out. They're going to need a lot of help these two races if they're going to bump their way into points with guys like Casey Kane, Trevor Bain, and Ryan Blaney. But uh, you know, the battle will be here between Newman and McMurray and Austin Dillon and Chase Elliott to see who makes the uh, the chase in on points for the twenty six uh, for the twenty sixteen chase for the Sprint Cup. But now Kyle Larson is in, and Larson uh, he's fifteenth in points, but uh, he will he gets bumped uh, over Newman because of the win, of course, and and being in the top thirty in points. So right now, it, I might be unprecedented that we actually have three drivers, uh, or three drivers kind of have to bump some drivers out based on points because they've got a win and inside the top 30 and we've got three right now between Busher, uh, Stewart and Larson as uh, James Busher still in the top 30 uh, just by seven points though so uh, Busher had some mechanical problems last week at Michigan so he'll be have to he'll have to mind his P's and Q's uh, for these final two races uh, in the regular season to see if he can still make his way in because of course uh, you know it's not a done deal he's still got to stay in the top 30 for two more races to advance to the chase of course with Darlington you've got the throwback theme you know we've kind of talked about it but uh what a great great promotion it's been since they moved the Southern 500 back to Darlington uh last year and now this year um all the cars with the different retro paint schemes you've got you know NBC going in full in with it with their their TV broadcast you're going to see you know Ned Jarrett and, and Ken Squire on TV tonight you're going to see old school graphics it's going to be a ton of fun and the teams have been really getting it up you've got you know tony stewart he's got the uh tony stewart's got the uh, throwback bobby ellison paint scheme with the coca-cola and uh you know the crew has gone full and they've got the old school uh, 70s picker uniform so it should be pretty cool um again 803-0551 888-552-550 Sorry about that. We're just uh, doing some producing here on the fly. Apologize for the delay, but we're going to be bringing in a guest here in just a minute. Um, as uh, we are, again, live here from Watkins Glen International for today's uh, IndyCar race here at Watkins Glen. And walking into the radio room as we speak, a, a friend of the program we've had on many a times here, John Oriovitz from ESPN.com with his son Patrick uh, having a fun road trip before school begins. And uh, John is going to sit down here and join us here in just a second. John, good morning. Great to do this in person for once. Hi, Dave. It's a rare honor, isn't it? Yeah. I know. Uh, it's great to have you up here. And uh, what a great weekend for IndyCar to be back at Watkins Glen. And uh, they've hit the jackpot here weather-wise. Weather it's going to be a great show today. Man, it's been spectacular. The last time I was here, I came out here, I don't know, last summer or the summer before, Patrick and I actually came to the town for a couple of days before going to the IndyCar Pocono race, and it was rainy. We still made the most of it and went exploring in the state park and everything, and of course, ate several times at Mr. Chicken, uh, as you do when you have a 10-year-old with you. But uh, we, we always enjoy visiting Watkins Glen. I love the heritage and the history of the place, and it's just a, it's a mighty racetrack. I wrote a story on Friday where I said if, if Watkins Glen would be compared to an oval, it would be a super speedway. Uh, we saw record speeds here in qualifying, 147-mile-an-hour average speed. I mean, that's that's mile oval speed not that too long ago uh, for Indy cars. So it's really amazing to see them averaging nearly 150 miles an hour around a, a sweeping and majestic road course like this. And I'm just thrilled to see that they're back and that they're back with a three-year three-year deal now, as it turns out. It seems like the uh, the, the 2015 uh, season or 2016 season, it's kind of like the uh, – the reunion tour, I guess, for IndyCar. You've had Watkins Glen, uh, the late edition, back in the schedule, going back to Phoenix, going back to Road America. Uh, a lot of uh, great venues are, are back on the IndyCar schedule now. 
I think that makes a lot of people certainly within the paddock happy and whether it makes a difference to the to the greater outer public uh, that, that understands and appreciates the history that those tracks had pre-1996 before the split. Uh, Elkhart Lake or Road America was phenomenal this year. Uh, I think the turnout there exceeded everyone's expectations. We've had a lot of times in the last 10 or 15 years with, with IndyCar where there have been tracks or markets that have been in danger of falling off the schedule and and uh, they either barely hang on or they do make a comeback and they're not supported by the fans. And at Road America, the place was packed. Uh, I, I can't say that it looked to me as, as full as it was in 1993 or 1995 in the Nigel Mansell and Jacques Villeneuve era. But uh, the, the owners of the track called it a record crowd. And if they want to call it a record crowd, that's good enough for me. It was certainly the best camping crowd I've ever seen there. And uh, it, it was great to be back. That's an, it's another one of those towns. And I, I sat and Patrick and I were driving down the old track as we were going back to our hotel yesterday. And I wondered, how is it that these wonderful road racing facilities pop up seemingly in the middle of nowhere? Uh, there's, there's a lot of similarities to Watkins Glen and, and Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. I, the camping thing, not only for IndyCar, but for the Cup Series, it seems like right now, especially up here in the Northeast and maybe even the Midwest, the tracks that have a great camping atmosphere, like here at the Glen, Michigan, Pocono, Road America, the tracks that have a really fun camping atmosphere, seem like are doing the best right now bringing in the fans attendance-wise. Yeah, I'd agree with that assessment. I think some of the most successful events that I've seen around the country this summer have been at natural terrain road courses like this, places that encourage camping, that, that have a, a beautiful environment for it, a natural habitat for it. Uh, there was a big crowd for IndyCar in mid-Ohio. I was here for the uh, NASCAR weekend here at Watkins Glen, and it was neat to see the place filled up. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been here three or four times for IndyCars uh, five, ten years ago, uh, but it was it was neat to really see the place jamming uh, the, the way you like to see a racetrack with that kind of uh, spirit and environment. So... That's a challenge, and, and we're, we're seeing a lot of oval tracks uh, are facing attendance declines, and it seems like the ones that do have the hardy camping atmosphere, places like Talladega and Michigan, have, have been able to somehow hang on. But I think ultimately, if, if you look at all those NASCAR tracks that are hosting two races a year, there's, there's going to have to be some form of contraction at some point. John Oriovis joining us live here from Wonkins Glen International and WGR's Fast Track. Let's talk about the race today, John, and um, how is this not going to be another chapter of the Scott Dixon show because he has been uh, very fast so far this weekend, and he's a former three-time winner, of course. Well, those are, are true facts, but as we've seen in the IndyCar series, the fastest guy doesn't always win. Uh, this series tends to throw out more full-course cautions uh, and yellow flags than a series like Formula One. And, of course, they close the pits a lot of times and pack up the field, and it kind of artificially creates drama, and, and it, it doesn't let a race unfold the way it normally would organically, and sometimes the fastest guy is the one that pays the price for the circumstances. Uh, I hope we get a clean, fast race because I would love to see two or three guys just you know having a, a good, solid 60-lap sprint race today uh, with these mind-boggling speeds. Um, you, you think about it, uh, if they go without caution, they're going to finish this thing in an hour and a half or so, um, which I mean, that's highly unlikely given, given the propensity for yellows in the series. But uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody can beat Dixon. And, of course, the subplot is the championship between Will Power and Simon Pagano. 
Of course, uh, tires have been a big topic of discussion. Uh, the red's the grippier tire, but a lot of teams seeing the, the black tires uh, work very well out there. I, I, I was trying to watch uh, on the computer here some of the warm this morning. Some teams were out there on reds. Uh, what, do you, what do you think is going to be the, uh, the best brand to go with today? I think what we're seeing is a situation where the track has so much grip yeah. that the extra grip afforded by the red tires is actually slowing them down. Uh, they have to have some ability to slide the car and move the car, and they may not be getting that at all on the reds. So unless anybody's really learned a way to make them work or make them last, I think you're going to look at, at teams trying to minimize the stint that they run on the reds and that the majority of the race will be run on standard black tires. But the rule state is you, you've got to run the reds for at least one two-lap stint. So it'll be interesting to see how that strategy plays off. When the first yellow occurs will play a big part in that. And there was some controversy during qualifying yesterday. A couple of drivers got some penalties for impeding the progress of their fellow competitors. And I know James Hinchcliffe was very upset, and he still seems upset because I saw him walk out of the drivers' meeting this morning. He was shaking his head, and he did not have a, a good look on his face. Well, I think there's one thing you can say about IndyCar officiating, whether it was through USAC or CART or Champ Car or IRL or whoever. It's consistently inconsistent. Um it's anytime you have a, a fast track like this, it's a challenge to, to try to gap and maintain a place on the racetrack where you can run a flat out qualifying lap. And even though they split the field into two groups, uh, people were still getting blocked. I don't think anybody was doing it on purpose, but at the same time, when you've got 10 minutes for a session, you, you've got, you know, you've got a choice of basically running one, four lap stint or two, two or three lap stints that doesn't give you any margin for error and I know IndyCar wants to keep group qualifying but and then they want to keep it brief because as it is the the procedure lasts an hour and 15 minutes but at some of these longer tracks like Road America and here they may have to accept that 10 or 12 minutes for a group or a session just isn't enough. John Orovitz, a couple of minutes left here. Can I ask you a NASCAR question? Is that all right? I know you're in IndyCar mode here this morning, but uh, we got the uh, news this week. Dale Jr. is going to be out for the rest of the year because of these uh, concussion symptoms, and Alex Bowman and, and Jeff Gordon are uh, going to split the 88 car for the rest of the season, the last uh, 12 races or so. Um, what do you think uh, is possibly next for Dale Jr.? Do you think uh, is, is he going to be back come 2017, or do you think we, we get a retirement announcement from Dale Jr. at some point before uh, next year at February? Well, it's, it's obviously, I talked to Dario Franchitti about it yesterday because he's a guy that had a history of concussions and spinal injuries that ultimately forced him to step away from the car on the advice of, of doctors. And Junior's, you know, he wants to be in the car right now, and he's he's out of the car on the advice of doctors because they say, well, look, our tests say that you're not 100%, that, that there are functions that aren't working in your brain that should be. It's a It's a sobering thought for NASCAR and for NASCAR fans thinking about the sport without Dale Jr. or, or a, a solid Earnhardt presence. Uh, that name has just been synonymous with stock car racing for the last 30 or 35 years. But Jr. seems to be a guy that's got a pretty good grasp on his own mortality. He's, he's fascinated with his own family history. He's made trips to Germany in the last couple of years. Uh, he's got a, a really much more human outlook on life, I think, thanks to his girlfriend, Amy Ryman. My gut feeling is, is we're not going to see him again. Um, but I say that only from, from the experience of, of seeing guys that have, have had their bell rung a few times and 
you can you can see that they've lost you know, a, a quarter of a step. It's barely perceptible, but it's there. Um, Dario acknowledges that he's had memory loss and, and trouble with certain motor functions. And uh, the, the most encouraging thing about Junior is, is that he recognized that he wasn't himself. Uh, he went and he said, hey, he put his hand up. I, I don't think something's right here. Um, it, it ended up costing him half a season in a race car, but at the same time, it may end up saving his life. I hate to be melodramatic like that. But, uh, but at the same time, head injuries, concussions, they're, they're a huge focus in the sports world right now. And when a high-profile star in a, in a contact sport like this is experiencing what he's experiencing and, and frankly, sharing it in the public domain, he's going to talk to the media again at Darlington this afternoon. Uh, it, it's it's fascinating to watch real life play out in real life, and and I hope uh, as a person and, and as a competitor, I hope for the best for Dale. And the biggest thing is the fact that he, on his own, said, like you said, it, it, something's not right here. I, I need to have this looked at and possibly step out of the car. I mean, in, in in a sport like auto racing, where you're the alpha male, you know, driving race car, risking, you know your life every time you get in the race car just to have the guts to come out and say that 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 says a lot about it and you talk about how just how he has matured as a person especially of course with the death of his father but uh, it just it just shows that he is thinking about long term and that's a good thing to see from from a race car driver well when i talked to dario about it he said that it, it took more courage he said that race car drivers were programmed to get back in the car to just push through it and focus on the next race and he said it took more courage for dale to stay out of the car than to get back in and I think that says it all. Um, Dario is a pretty smart guy. He's obviously well versed in the history of motorsports, and and as he said uh, of Dale Jr., he said, "I'm a fan." And uh, in in the in the four or five years that I've covered a lot more NASCAR, certainly Dale Jr. has been one of the most enjoyable drivers to deal with. He's just so natural and real. Uh, if you get a one-on-one -on -one interview with him, he gives you his time and his attention, and you don't always get that when you get, especially with the top stars like that. So it's uh, it's it's sad if if his career is coming down uh, to an end this way. But at the same time, uh, look at Dario. He's he's happy out there uh, in retirement. He's still involved in the sport, and obviously Dale Jr. would be there too with his Xfinity series, with other his other involvements in motorsport. So it's not like he's going to to be away from NASCAR or away from racing. He's just not going to be the guy driving the '88 car. John Oriovitz from ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Indy Oreo. John, like I said off the top, it's it's really fun to get to do this in person instead of over the phone. Great to see you and your son, and enjoy the day here at Watkins Glen. Well, thanks a lot. I should have had you bring me some wings because uh, I hear that uh, that they're the real deal there in Buffalo. Yeah, that we're kind of known for that. Actually, the, this is the National Buffalo Wing Festival is going on right now, actually, in, in, in the city of Buffalo. So maybe if we do get a, a caution-free race, you might be able to head out of here and still make it down to the city and check that out. Well, I don't think the boys seen Niagara Falls yet, so uh, we'll keep it in mind for our itinerary on the way home. Take care. Thanks for joining us. John Oriovitz from ESPN.com. Uh, we're going to step aside here, take a break. When we come back, more live from Watkins Glen here on the site of the IndyCar race. It's uh, Fast Track here on WGR. Eleven thirty-five here on WGR Sports Radio Five Fifty. Dave Buchanan, WGR's Fast Track. Our Thrilling season finale, two-hour special here live from Watkins Glen International, the site of today's IndyCar race. And uh, apologize for the uh, the first segment there. Uh, when you have a very long opening segment like I do, and you, you're trying to get guests on, there's you know there's no chance to pause. So I I had to stick my head out the door to wave John Oriovitz in 
to, to get him to in here for that opening segment. So I apologize for like the brief uh, dead air <laughs> in that first segment, but uh, that's what happens when you're on your own flying by the seat of your pants here doing live radio. Uh, and the guest of Palooza continues here inside the media center is joining us right now. I don't think we've had him on all season from the Buffalo News. Larry Ott is here covering the race for the paper. Hi, Larry, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Uh, obviously, this wasn't on our itineraries when we were planning our seasons earlier this year. This didn't get added till May, but uh, it looks like it's setting up to be a great day here at Watkins Glen. It is. Um, three months ago, this race didn't exist. Then the previously scheduled race in Boston, Massachusetts got canceled. Literally overnight, the race came here to Watkins Glen, first time since 2010. And yeah, it's a beautiful day today. Uh, hopefully a good crowd turns out, and it's nice to see IndyCars back in our region. Yeah, definitely. It's it, We're actually pretty fortunate. You look look at the schedule for next year, and uh, you got here, uh, of course, Watkins Glen back on the schedule for two more years up through 2018. Of course, you got Toronto, you've got Pocono, uh, you can go to Michigan, mid-Ohio, and really from where we are in western New York, Larry, we don't have to travel far to see a lot of the IndyCar schedule. No, we don't, and it's very tracks you got as you said the street circuit in toronto you have the road course here you have the uh trioval in pocono among some of the with you know tracks that are six hours or less so it's variety as well as having the series here all around uh you've been i'm assuming you've been here all weekend or here yesterday and today uh, i just got here today but what are what are some of the things you've been seeing so far this weekend obviously uh the the one guy to beat so far this weekend has been scott dixon well scott has always been fast here uh, Scott won the race in 2005, 2006, 2007, um, and he got the pole yesterday and, of course, a track record. But all 22 cars here this weekend were under the existing track record set in 2009 by Ryan Briscoe by almost five miles an hour. So everybody kind of broke the track record this weekend. But uh, Scott Dixon's, you know, this is a track he knows very well, he does very well at, but you never know. I mean, IndyCar races can turn around in a lap. Yeah, we were talking uh, with John Oriovitz the last segment that uh, just because he's the fa- the fastest car doesn't always win is, is is how John put it, and and anything can happen. And we we've seen this weekend, uh, Larry. There's been a couple incidents, uh, both guys crashing. Joseph Newgarden had a very hard hit in practice. We've had some some. Uh, penalties during time trials yesterday there's been a, a, a lot of different things so there could be a, a few wild card moments in the race today do you do, do you agree with that oh absolutely um helio castroneves is in the fourth position um simon pagino is usually strong even though he's never raced here before he's been strong on road courses juan pablo montoya this is his first weekend here in his career running the long course with indy cars people recall that he was here several times with ganassi racing when he was in the nascar uh, circuit and running the short uh, road course here, but Juan Montoya is always a win waiting to happen anywhere he goes, so you never know. Uh, Will Power is strong, and of course, both Simon Pagano and Will Power have to be also mindful of the fact that they're going for the championship in IndyCar. Uh, they're close in points. Pagano is one, Will Power is two, and there's only one more race after this in Sonoma, California, so there's the point championship that's very close as well. And that'll be important this weekend. Plus, once they get to Sonoma, there the finale in IndyCar is double points. Yeah, so a lot of guys are still mathematically eligible, but it'll be uh, Pagano and Power likely going at it for the title, depending on how things uh, play out today here at Watkins Glen, of course. Uh, Larry Ott from the Buffalo News, currently our guest here on WGR's Fast Track. Larry, you come to this 
facility a lot to cover various events. You're here. You, you come up for the six hours weekend, Cup Weekend, IndyCar, some of the other events. I know you've been up here too. Um, just it seems like Watkins Glen, the the facility. It's always been a great facility, don't get me wrong, but it seems like as an attraction for the average race fan, it seems like it has been taking off the last few years where yeah, racers, people in racing know this is a great facility, but it seems like your average casual race fan is now realizing this is a, a cool place to come to watch a race, even if you don't see the cars the whole time, that you come here and camp and y you have a blast. And it seems like that that has really taken off for this facility over the last few years. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, this morning I was conversing with uh, Watkins Glen President Michael Pernup, who was a native of Hamburg, and we were talking about Watkins Glen, and Mike talked about the fact that, yeah, the racing is good here, but people can see there's a lot of money being invested, but also what they've done, New York State stats show that a lot of people in and around New York State are campers, mm -hmm. and this is a great camping environment. I mean, you could actually come here and have a great camping weekend and never even actually want, want to watch a race. I don't know who would, but you, you could actually have a camping weekend here, have a great time, not even see a race. But they also have done things this year uh, that have gotten a lot more families involved. I know for NASCAR weekend, they had a kid zone. They had a small little Ferris wheel and some other amusement park rides here. Uh, NASCAR weekend, they also had in the fan zone at night for the kids. They showed the Peanuts movie. So when you come here, they stress very much. It's not, yeah, you're coming to a race, but there's a lot of things to do here besides just what happens on track. And, of course, the on-track product is great, too, and th that's where the, the more in-tune race fan, and especially with the Cup Series, we've seen road course racing, of course, you know, get a lot more exciting, get a lot more physical, and, and you pair that with uh, the, the camping part, and it, it's really paid off for the Glen. I mean, they've had back-to-back, -back, you know, grandstand reserve seat sellouts now for the Cup race, and it, uh, it's, it's amazing because I remember um, – before I got into the, the media side of sport, just being an average race fan, but I remember there, maybe in the late 90s, there was question marks. Would NASCAR come back to Watkins Glen? They were, you had to be, get that reassurance every year that they were going to sign an agreement with Glen, you know, especially before the, the ISC took over. It was sometimes a question mark if, if NASCAR was going to come back here. Well, that's correct. I remember coming here every year for the cup race, and you would always hear the rumors, and the first question asked of NASCAR, is this the last year here? There was a lot of outdated things about this place. Remember, in the 70s, they had gone bankrupt until Corning rescued them. But during these early years, maybe 10, 15 years ago, the septic system was bad here. Other things were bad. And ISC, who owns the Speedway, was trying to lobby the state to get involved and invest money here, much like the government invests money, say, in, uh, you know, I guess it's now, what, New Era Field or in uh, Orchard Park, yeah. uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium and other things. They were looking to get government money as well to help here. Well, some of it came in. ISC has been investing a lot of capital here, and it's one of those things that as you start to see the capital investment paying off, or as they say, return on investment, mm -hmm. you then spend more money. And they've spent more and more money here. And, of course, this repay project has been known all over the world. So that's what's happened. And now when you come to a cup race, it's so refreshing that the first question is not, um, will you guys be back here next year? The question now is, hey, how is the sellout going? Yeah. Larry Ott from the Buffalo News joining us here in WGR's Fast Track. Last thing, Larry, I know you always do a great job with your columns, finding the local angle, finding personalities involved with each event that have connections to Western New York. We, we of course, know about Michael Printup and his connection. Is there uh, in anybody here today that you're, you're going to be talking to that has a Buffalo connection that we might not know about? As a matter of fact, in today's in the morning paper this morning, which you can get at the newsstand, or you can see the buffalonews.com, 
I have a story in there this morning on Ron Rajewski. Ron is an Elma native. He is the technical director for Penske Racing. And coming up through the ranks, uh, Ron used to attend races at Holland Speedway. He has an affiliation with the Feeblecorn team that runs out there. First Mike Sr. and now, of course, these days Mike Jr. And Ron grew up in and around Holland Speedway. He progressed through the ranks. He joined Team Penske several years ago. He was the engineer for Sam Hornish, Helio Castroneves, and Juan Montoya when they won their Indy 500s. And I, the, the just of my story this morning is that when Ron was on the team before with Penske, he used to come to the races and he was in charge of watching one team. Now he's a technical director. He's in charge of the engineers, and Ron's overseeing all four Penske cars that are in the race today. Simon Pagano, Will Power, Helio Castroneves, and Juan Montoya. He's he's w watching all these cars today and interacting with all the different engineering people that are here. He's got 12 engineers here helping him today. And for the race itself today, he's going to base himself in the pits of the number two entry of Juan Montoya. But then he'll, commu he'll be communicating back and forth with the other three Penske engineers on the other cars throughout the race. So, yeah, Ron's here in a big way. He's responsible for four cars of the 22-car field today. He's responsible for four of them. And, of course, you're, you're, you're working for Roger Penske. So. Yeah, you're working for the captain, so you've got to have your uh, starch collar and your white shirt and, and make, keep those cars up front. But well, that's almost fifth of the field. That's pretty awesome. I knew, I knew you had somebody because it seems like any, any, every, even NASCAR, every NASCAR week, it seems like you find somebody new that I haven't heard of that has its Western New York connection that's now in NASCAR or IndyCar or connected to the Glen somehow. Well, Larry, after today, we're just wrapping up here. But after today, Larry, uh, things get a lot more interesting back home. We've had a lot of track champions crowned. We've got some big end-of-year races. This is September's like one of the best months of the year for racing. You know, I'm here this weekend for um, the IndyCar Series at Watkins Glen, but I've not forgotten that over the last couple of days in western New York, there's been a lot of great racing going on. There's been championships decided, for example, at Holland and Genesee and Ransomville and Merrittville and various classes. So I know I'm missing a lot of things back home this weekend, but I'll be back next weekend ready to go. Uh, other tracks will decide championships next weekend, like, say, for example, Lancaster. And then the weekend after that, I'll be to uh, the final show of the season at Little Valley. Then just three weeks from now, I believe it is, I'll be two days at the U.S. Open at Lancaster. I'll be to one more drag race this year at Lancaster. Then on to the fall show at Wyoming County. So there's a lot of important and fun races coming up in this last month of the season, and I'm going to try to get to as many as I can. Well, we appreciate the coverage, and uh, you and me, we're, we're the Western New York racing media contingent here housed in one little room here at Watkins Glen. Larry out from the Buffalo News, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're going to step aside here when we come back. We'll you are traditional here, final segment of the 11 o'clock hour, our local racing roundup. Uh, got a few minutes with Ryan Susi recorded on Friday at Ranceville. He just locked up the Modified Track Championship at the Big R. So we get back, local racing roundup, Ryan Susi. But stick around, we've got a whole other hour. And actually, I just got confirmation, uh, IndyCar rookie R.C. Enerson is going to join us here live at the Glen at noon. So uh, stay tuned, we're on till 1 o'clock. This is Fast Track here on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And we'll start Friday night action. Lancaster National Dragway, Zell Gaiman getting the win in top eight. Dave Sermachewski getting the win in the top ET. Guy Menard, first career win in mod ET. Jim Thompson in TNT Hot Rod Series. Pete Marston, Sleds and Bikes, Dan Nab in Street ET. 
And the Buffalo Street Outlaws, Mo Alfiki and Chris Halton got the win in the Buffalo Street Outlaws at Lancaster on Friday night. Drags are off this Friday. They've got the bracket finals in Pittsburgh. But the stock car season wraps up this Saturday night, the regular season, that is, with a season points finale for the three weekly divisions plus TQ Midgets. Ransomville Speedway on Friday. Kenny Wills won a caution-free 50-lap feature to round out the regular season for the 358 Modifieds. Ryan Susie won the track championship. You'll hear from Ryan in just a minute. Uh, Dave Conan got the win in the Sportsman, while Matt Farnham, who we had on the show earlier this year, picked up the track title there. Jiren Israel in the Street Stocks, Chad Lederhouse in the Four Cylinders, and Andrew Spurback in the uh, Novice uh, Sportsman Division. Freedom Motorsports Park, they had the Race of Champions Sportsman Series. Chad Chevalier got the win over Brad Rouse. Rush Late Models, Jeremy Wonderling, Al Brewer in the Street Stocks, Bill Weller Jr. in the Mini Stocks. Saturday night action, uh, Wyoming County International Speedway. The first half of their big Labor Day weekend, Jacob Gustafson getting the win in the four cylinders. Rusty Smith won the big uh, Sportsman SST modified race over TJ Potrabowski and Wayne Baker. Uh, they are racing today at the Perry Bullring, 3 o'clock. They've got the modifieds, uh, full blown modifieds, on American Racer tires and uh, Super Stocks today at the Perry Bullring. Other Saturday night action, Genesee Speedway in Batavia. It was J.J. Mazur getting the win in the crate late models. Got a text from uh, his pit crew member, uh, John, who follows us on Twitter and gives us some updates. They got the win there. Ray Bliss and the Sportsman over Matt Steffenhagen. Uh, 360 late models, Mikey Wonderling, Byron DeWitt in the street stocks, Bill Weller Jr. in the mini stocks, Eddie Kowalczyk in the bandits there at Genesee. Holland Speedway last night, they had a big show too. Big long-distance races for the Chargers, Hornets, and Sportsmen. And George Gore the third got the win in the Sportsman race over Amy Catalano and Jeff Brown, 75 lapper. Uh, Mark Hoke dominated the Pro Charger field. Louis, Louis Carbone got the win in the Hornets. Kyle Hutchinson in the TQ Midgets. Carl Villarda the fourth in the Legends. Daryl Phillip in the Rookie Fours. And Jim Steins in the figure eights. Merrittville Speedway last night. Kyle Rothwell won the mini stock feature, but Tyler LaFontese got the championship. Dave Bailey wrapped up the Hoosier Stock Championship with a feature win. Same story for Josh Slider in the Mod Lights. Paul Gabori won the Sportsman feature. Cody McPherson wrapped up the title. Pete Bicknell got the win and the championship at his home track in the 3 Modifieds. And Novice Sportsman Dave DePietro won the feature. Trevor Wright won the championship. Uh, Meritville Speedway, by the way, big question mark. I know I haven't talked about this enough. They got a big question mark going into next year. Uh, the Williamsons and Bicknells are selling the facility. If they do not find an owner, um, the track will not open under the, the current ownership uh, next year. Um, so they're looking for someone to buy it. There are some leads reportedly, nothing concrete to talk about, but uh, there, there's some question marks going into next year at the Merrittville Speedway. Uh, also tonight, Humberstone Speedway wraps up uh, their dirt. Uh, well, actually, the last weekend for dirt car points, but their track points, I think, go another week. But uh, Sportsman Late Model Street Stocks, trucks and mini stocks tonight at Humberstone at 6.30. Eric Rudolph won the big uh, modified race there last weekend at Humberstone, the second annual Pete Costco Memorial. Okay, we're running out of time, but want to squeeze in here. Ryan Susie, who won the Ransomville Speedway Modified Track Championship Friday night. I recorded this with Ryan Friday after the races at Ransomville. Here's Ryan Susie on Fast Track. Well, Ryan, after uh, winning a Modified Track Championship last year, did you think you were going to be able to come back this year and pull it off again? Uh, I'm going to say probably not. Um, we did our homework last year, and we had a good thing going, but when the track changed this year, you know, when the Atwells took over, they changed the track around, and we definitely struggled to start the season a little bit. So um, midway through the year, we were kind of wondering what, you know, what we had to do to be successful. In the last few weeks here, we were really found something. I don't know, the car just really reacted. We made some changes on some of the uh, products we were using on the car, and 
seems like, uh, I don't know, we dialed it in. I think tonight we actually had a 75-lap race car. Unfortunately, we only had 50 and we had all green, but the last 20 laps thing just came on like a missile and I reeled in Chad and uh, I, I think we were the fastest car the last 20 laps, but it was too late. But, uh, you know, I, I'm real happy to do it the first time and now to do it a second time is kind of surreal. Did you have a strategy going in tonight or just, just stay ahead of that 42 car? It's $2,500 a win. We were, going, we were going for the win tonight, you know, especially after last week, how you know how fast the car was. We knew we were going to come with the same game plan and just probably tighten it up a little bit because it's going to get a little slicker. And uh, I think we made all the right moves. Uh, we didn't scuff our right rear enough. It did, took too long to come in the feature. I think that's why we kind of lost some spots early and got stuck in traffic. But once it really took off, the car was a missile. It was just unfortunate that it didn't get yellow. But uh, congrats to Kenny. He was real fast. You know, Rookie driver coming out, winning two races, one of them a real big one. It's a pretty awesome season for him. You definitely came loaded for Bear right out of the heat race. You put on a show in the heat race. You went, you went, I think you went three for one. You went from like six to third on one lap, and then you chased down the leader to win the heat race. You definitely were, were a keyed in for tonight. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, my whole mentality, especially for heat races, is all the people in the grandstands pay to put on a show. I hate riding around finishing fourth to qualify. If I have a good car, I'm going to try and do something with it. Otherwise, you know, why are we racing? So I just, some of the guys on the crew hate it, but, you know, the racetrack's there, the car's there. Why not put on a show and try and win it? So car was good. It was dialed in right from the start. Like I said, I think we just missed a little bit on our tire, but, you know, it came in late, and, you know, all in all, it was a good night. I think one of the things you proved once again is you can stay out of trouble. When you've got you know guys like Eric Rudolph coming in winning five races, you did it once again with just consistent finishes and trying to stay out of the trouble most nights. Yeah, you know, we, we lacked a little bit of the consistency early in the season. Like I said, adjusting to the track, it was just a little different from what we were used to last year. Last year we were on a harder, the 400 compound a lot of times and just doing different things. This year it seemed like, um, you know, the way they were preparing the track, it was kind of hard to judge what the track was going to do. Some nights it would be real heavy when you anticipated the track was going to be real slick like you'd have a hot summer week and you'd come here and the track was super bitey with a big cushion so it was kind of hard to really pick but the last month or so we had a good game plan and really you know made the right calls when it comes to the setup. Wrapping up in the season tomorrow now at Merrittville where you're still mathematically in the hunt for the championship but what has been the year at Merrittville been like for you? Uh, we've been all right. Uh, we unfortunately we never vis visited Victory Lane, so hopefully we can do that tomorrow. Um, we've been kind of like we were here, mostly top fives, and mm. if we weren't top fives, we were real close to it. Uh, last week I had a little bit of an incident, and I ended up finishing 14, so that kind of took us out of the points. But we can still get second for sure. I don't know if we're mathematically in it for the win, but um, you know, if not, congrats to Pete and uh, him or Lindbergh's like, going to win the going to win the championship for sure. So congrats to those guys. It was fun, you know. I really got to thank Rob Clark for giving me that opportunity. I ran his car for most of the season over there and a few times with my own stuff. So, you know, it was a good year. Um, I know we got two or three second-place finishes and a whole bunch of top five. So it was a good season. Last thing, uh, I know you got something big on your calendar in September, but you're going to try and fit in a few races as well, too. Yeah, um, I guess I'm getting married on the 24th of <laughs> September. But uh, this week, Rolling Wheels announced that there's a race, big, pretty big paying race on the 25th. So <laughs> I got to kind of suck up to mom and see what happens. Maybe we can go race the day after the wedding. It's a little bit of a honeymoon for us. So it would be a nice, uh, definitely a nice wedding present to cash in on ten grand for a big block race. <laughs> Uh, were you going to put in a honeymoon right after the wedding, or is that going to be on hold now because of the rolling wheels race? No, we're going to probably wait till the winter anytime. I've been pushing her for Super uh, Speed Weeks in Florida, but she's not going for that. She wants <laughs> she wants a white sand beach somewhere in the Caribbean or some nonsense. <laughs> I don't want to go racing. I don't know. Congratulations, my friend, and uh, good luck with the wedding and the rest of your racing season. I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks. 
There is the Ransomville Renegade, Ryan Susi, fresh off his track championship Friday night at Ransomville. Uh, we come back. He's already joined us here in the studio. He's going to stick around through the break, and we appreciate that. IndyCar rookie R.C. Anderson from Dale Coyne Racing is going to join us live here from Watkins Glen. We get back on Fast Track on WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.